Hello, welcome to my podcast, A Parallel, The Chinese Cultural Revolution and the French Revolution. This is episode 13, New Masters. My last episode, we saw the further demise of the Jacobins. I drilled down more on the European wars. For China, we learned about the dismal state of the educational system. And after the death of Lin Biao, Chairman Mao promoted his replacement. In this episode, I will finish both revolutions, but it will not be the last episode to this season. This episode's quote is from Edward Halifax, an English statesman. Quote, When people contend for their liberty, they seldom get anything for their actions but new masters. End of quote. By 1795, there were no longer a significant number of people that supported violence nor supported the return of a monarchy. Also insignificant then, by that time, was the threat of foreign invasion. After the Constitution of 1795, the Republic had reached another turning point in the French Revolution. The once powerful citizen mass movements were no longer possible. The citizens by then had lost control of the revolution. All of this was at odds with the aspirations of the original revolutionaries. The military became increasingly more involved in the day-to-day affairs of the government, both directly and indirectly, especially with the directory. It was clear to everyone that the military was necessary to support the directory. And without the military support, the directory would fail. Indeed, it had not been smooth sailing for the new directory. On top of all of that, the directory's rule was marred by election rigging that it directed so that it could stay in power. All trust was gone. For many reasons that I have mentioned and others, the public had turned against the directory. One reason was it was perceived the directory prolonged the war, despite its earlier peace efforts, so it could stay in power. Another reason was the Republic's finances were a wreck. The directory faced a dilemma. If it ended the European wars, all the tributes and war treasures would end, and they needed the revenue. Additionally, there were no jobs for all the returning soldiers. Plus, no one wanted to deal with arrogant and irascible and idle generals. Making matters worse, by mid-1799, France was losing ground to the war's second coalition. 
She no longer occupied territory it had since 1794. The second coalition that I before discussed consisted of England, Austria, Russia, and Turkey. As for Napoleon Bonaparte, he had easily occupied Malta and Egypt, but his naval fleet was destroyed by Horatio Nelson's English fleet in the Battle of the Nile in August of 1798. By 1799, Ebi Saez, or also known as Emmanuel Joseph Saez, had become the president of the directory, ostensibly becoming the leader of France and holding such power not seen since the halcyon days of Maximilian Robespierre. Saez had long decided, in order to save the Republic, he needed to to take control and make major political changes to strengthen the executive power. The Constitution, he believed, was an impediment to the swift changes he wanted and he believed were needed. The only way for Saez was a military coup d'etat. And it was just then, that summer, that late summer of 1799, the Republic finally got some military successes. That was Sayez's chance. He needed a reliable general. It was suggested to him that Napoleon Bonaparte was that general, and he was just returning in October of 1799 to France from Egypt, a war hero by that time. The two consulted with each other and agreed to force the necessary constitutional changes. The neutralization of Zhou Enlai came at a cost to Mao Zedong. Mao's wife, Jiang Qing, had gone too far in her campaign against Zhou Enlai. Using her clout, she tried to seize some control over the People's Liberation Army and the CCP. But Chairman Mao would have none of that. He had to intervene and rebuke his wife and stop her. We know now that at that time, Joan Lai was ill. He was diagnosed with bladder cancer, and Mao kept the diagnosis from him. Mao denied Joan Lai crucial medical care. Why? I don't know. It isn't clear. By May of 1974, the cancer had spread. Joan Lai's last public appearance was at a state banquet on September 30th, 1974. Mao did not attend for some reason or another. I am not sure. Joan Lai appeared to everyone to be thin and frail. And the campaign against him seemed to unnerve many. For many, Joan Lai was an effective counterweight against the leftist Jian Qing and her cohorts and others in the CCP. His one fault, perhaps, may have been his unwillingness or inability to ever challenge Chairman Mao. Many in China still to this day see Zhou Enlai 
as nothing more than a sycophant. Nevertheless, Joe and Lai's illness caused lots of apprehension. The adulation of him likely bothered Chairman Mao. After Joe and Lai was gone, there was concern about the moderating voice at the leadership of China. He had been the counterbalance voice in the leadership. To replace Zhou Enlai meant repositioning various people, and Mao promoted Deng Xiaoping again. Mao's wife, however, began to express her disappointment that she had not been duly rewarded for all of her efforts. She began to compare herself to Wu Zetian, or Wu Zhao, the only outright female monarch in imperial China's long history. Wu Zetian ruled for about 15 years in the late 7th and early 8th centuries under the Zhao dynasty. Apparently not very well, however. Anyway, Madame Mao tried to create the image of an empress. She had become paranoid to assassination, believing her own physicians were trying to poison her. She disliked Deng Xiaoping and strongly resented his promotions. Mao Zedong apparently warned her and her gang of four to not cause trouble. The gang of four, as they are illustriously known by, consisted of Madame Mao, Wang Hongwen, Zhang Chungxiao, and Yao Wenyuan. The Shanghai Four, as I call them, for an obvious reason, were notorious troublemakers. We will learn a little more about them in a bit. At a private speech before the National People's Congress in January of 1975, Zhou Enlai called on China to modernize. He stressed four areas, agriculture, industry, defense, and science and technology. The four modernizations, as it was known by, was even approved by Chairman Mao himself. Sayez and Napoleon Bonaparte needed help. Besides the military, which they had under their control, Napoleon Bonaparte's brother, Lucien, would be helped too. He was then the president of the Council of 500. The coup has a rather uninspiring name, officially referred to as the Coup of Brumaire for the renamed French month when it occurred. To everyone else, that's October and November. The coup began November 9th, 1799. They alleged there was a Jacobin plot and Lucien Bonaparte convinced the councils, for their safety, to move their sessions out of Paris to a former royal palace named Saint-Cloud in suburban Paris. It was large enough to contain both councils. And there, they were to have the protection of the military, as Napoleon, their commander. The councils agreed to relocate. Sayez and the entire director resigned, leaving the republic without an executive. The purpose 
was to induce the councils to establish a provisional government at St. Cloud. Napoleon even appeared before one of the councils and urged them to change the constitution. There, apparently, was some scuffling at the council, and Lucien Bonaparte accused the Jacobins of trying to assassinate Napoleon, his brother. The councils adjourned for six weeks and appointed a 50-member joint committee to work out a new constitution or revisions to the one they had. The councils also appointed a three-member consulate to be acting executives in the provisional government. The three members of the committee were Abbe Saez, Roger Duclaw, and Napoleon Bonaparte as the ostensible leader. The directory was no more. This military coup many consider to be the end of the French Revolution. For sure, there was no longer a citizens' movement pushing events like there were before. Effectively, there was no longer a revolution. Sayez would eventually go into semi-retirement, and within five years, Napoleon would grow himself into an emperor, and the Republic of France was no more. By 1975, Deng Xiaoping increasingly took charge of China's daily affairs. Deng certainly was not Zhou Enlai and was not intimidated by Madame Mao. Deng Xiaoping fixed the broken transport system. He made factories more efficient, cut away at the CCP bureaucracy inherent in these industries. He did these things, however, stepping on the toes of party and family, me- and family officials. One such occasion was the Anshan factory. This happened to be under the control of Mao's nephew. When he complained to Chairman Mao, it got the chairman's attention. So Mao Zedong decided he would test Deng Xiaoping's loyalty. Meanwhile, Madame Mao began to publicly criticize Deng Xiaoping, accusing him of putting economic growth ahead of communist ideology. Recognize this. The Gang of Four were powerful friends or enemies, depending on which side of the coin you stood. They had the major media in their pocket. The Gang of Four started a steady stream of anti-Deng Xiaoping public denunciations. They got so bad that Deng Xiaoping went to Chairman Mao. Mao agreed to intervene and sent a rebuke to the Gang of Four. But remember, Mao Zedong loved to play one faction off the other so he could stay in command. Also know that at this same time, 1975, Mao was in poor health himself. He was nearly blind from cataracts, Virtually deaf, he was unable to stand. Daily hygiene was impossible without assistance. He had had previous heart attacks. His speech was so bad that only his personal secretary could understand him. By the way, she was his young lover, 
or concubine. Chairman Mao knew he was dying. Interested in his legacy, he asked Deng Xiaoping to gather a group of party elders and inquire of them what they thought about the success of the Cultural Revolution. Allegedly, Mao told someone he believed it had been 70% a success. But Deng Xiaoping refused to do this and failed his test of loyalty. Zhou Enlai died January 8, 1976. Instead of Mao appointing someone in sync with Deng Xiaoping to replace Zhou Enlai, Mao chose a relatively unknown, Hua Guofeng. Ostensibly, he was chosen because he was neither a Deng Xiaoping person nor a gang of four person. There are rumors that Hua Guofeng was Mao's illegitimate son. Just rumors. There was not a state funeral for Zhou Enlai. Mao wanted to minimize the public grieving, but despite efforts to limit public display of Zhou Enlai's funeral, many people still showed their sense of loss. After Deng Xiaoping delivered his eulogy, Mao removed him from CCP leadership and placed him under house arrest. With Zhou Enlai and Deng Xiaoping now out of the way, and the feeble chairman unable to restrain her, Jian Qing and her gang of four became emboldened. The public grieving for Zhou Enlai went on for months despite the gang of four's efforts to repress it. The gang's denunciations continued, but they eventually overplayed their hand. By that time, in the spring of 1976, Madame Mao may have been the most hated female in China. Some called her the Empress Dowager of the late Qing Dynasty period. According to ancient Chinese superstition, natural disasters preceded major events. On July 28, 1976, a 7.6 magnitude earthquake struck at Tangshan, China, which is between Beijing and northeast China. At least a half a million people died, and there was enormous physical damage. Hua Guofeng, essentially running China by that time, proved ineffective in responding to the tragedy. All of China then was already on death watch from Mao Zedong. On September 9, 1976, Mao Zedong died. His death effectively ended the Cultural Revolution. Once the public funeral was over, this power struggle began. The Gang of Four, of course, thought they had a chance. But they all had several strikes against them. While the Gang of Four controlled the media, they did not control much of anything else. Public opinion was against them and their power center was Shanghai, not Beijing. Kua Guofeng acted quickly. The Gang of Four were arrested to the cheers of many Chinese citizens. Undoubtedly, the Gang of Four were being used as scapegoats. It was easy to deflect all the blame 
for the Culture Revolution on them. Eventually, the CCP chose Deng Xiaoping to replace Mao Zedong in 1977. The Gang of Four were all put on trial in 1980 and convicted. Jian Qing, Madame Mao, and Zhang Chongqiao initially received the death penalty, but that was later commuted to life in prison. Ten years later, she hung herself in her jail cell. Huang Hongwen died in prison in 1981. The other two were released from prison after 25 years. In the next episode, I want to provide a post-mortem of these two revolution and do it in the same parallel study way. Interesting. Thank you. It has been a pleasure. <laughs>